for worshiping with New Grace in Roanoke, Virginia this morning. We are honored that you are tuning in and we believe that God is going to use this service in your life and the lives of many others. We are walking through a very difficult and trying time as a society. As a result of everything happening in our world today, how we gather as a church looks very different. We are all used to gathering together on our church campus, but for now, we will worship together through technology. Though this is a very different format, our desire as a church is still the same. Our desire is to worship Jesus and encourage the believer. As you watch this service today, whether by yourself or with your family, I want to encourage you to participate in this time of worship. As our team leads us, let us sing with passion. As we are led in prayer together, let's cry out to God in desperation. As Pastor Sean teaches us from the Word, let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as He speaks. Also, be an encouragement to our worship team by participating. Comment that you are watching. Comment on things the Holy Spirit brings to your heart. Or post a picture of you and your family worshiping together on our Facebook page. Again, thank you for joining us today as we worship the Father. We pray you are blessed and encouraged from this service today. I stand and get, sing it out together this morning. To the King of glory and light, all praises. We lift our praises. We lift our voices to praise the Lord out this morning. To the King of glory and light, all praises to the only giver of life, our Maker. The gates are open wide, we worship you. To the King of glory and light, all praises to the only giver of life, our Maker. The gates are open wide. We worship you. Shout, Hosanna, sing it out. Oh, shout, Hosanna. Jesus, he saved. Shout, Hosanna. He rose from the grave. Come and lift him up. Hosanna, shout, Hosanna. Jesus, he saved. Hosanna, he rose from the grave. Come and lift him up. Hosanna. Come and lift him up. Hosanna. One more time. Come and lift him up. Aren't you glad we have a God who saves this morning? He's an awesome God. Let's keep singing. Our God is greater. Let's keep singing out this morning. Water you turn into wine. You open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you None like you Our God is greater Our God is stronger God you are high 
Yeah. 
to the ends of the earth because of your continued financial investment. So even though we're not all gathered together physically on this campus this week, I want to challenge you to continue to honor God with your resources by giving through new grace for the sake of the mission of God. There are multiple ways you can give. You can give online at reachingroanoke.com and clicking the donate button. You can also mail your gift to 1527 Guilford Avenue, Northwest, Roanoke, Virginia, 24017. You can also text your gift using your phone to 540-572-4654. We're going to continue our service now, and one thing we believe as we seek God in prayer, we experience God in power. So right now, Pastor Sean is going to lead us in a time of Scripture-fed, Spirit-led prayer. We come to the part of our service this morning that we call our Scripture-fed, Spirit-led prayer. This morning, the verse we're going to look at as we pray through it for as a church family is Psalm 145, verses 8 through 11. The Bible says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of thy glory, of the power of thy kingdom, and talk of thy power. As we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, I want to spend some time praising God for who he is and for what he's done for us. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, today we come before you in a spirit of worship. The psalmist describes your character for us. Your character is is who you are, describing who you are for us. And Lord, we can see that you are gracious. Lord, you are full of compassion. Lord, you are slow to anger. You are of great mercy, God. You are loving and you are good. Lord, we worship you because you are good. Lord, we praise you and bless your name for who you are. Lord, all over this city and all over the world, we together worship you. Lord, we bless you. We adore you. Lord, we lift your name up this morning. As we, as David thanks you for who you are, Lord, we want to thank you for who you are as well. God, it's easy in, in times like we're facing now to forget your goodness, to forget your grace. But God, our our circumstances don't determine, Lord, who you are. But Lord, our circumstances are changed by you. Lord, our circumstances come and go, they change. But God, you change not. Lord, even in difficult circumstances. And for that, God, we are thankful. 
and we praise you. Lord, your word says that in everything to give thanks. So today we give thanks knowing that what we are going through is because you love us and there is something in this for us, something you want to do in and through us that you could not do without these circumstances. So Lord, today we are thankful. The psalmist also teaches us that Lord, we can call out to you. So we want to do that now, Lord. We want to beg you for your mercy. Lord, we we ask you for our nation, for our world, and specifically for our New Grace family. Lord, we beg you for mercy. Lord, would you pour your mercy out on your people, on the people of this earth. God, we ask you right now to stop the spread of this virus. Lord, we ask you to intervene in a supernatural way so that, Lord, all the nations will rise up and call you blessed so that all the nations can see that you are the God in heaven. Lord, we ask you to move in power. Lord, I I pray for those who are struggling financially because of this pandemic. Lord, we think of those who are struggling emotionally or relationally, God. And Lord, I, I pray that you would show yourself as the God of all grace and the God of all peace and the God of all comfort right now. Lord, we ask you to give our leaders wisdom as they make decisions. God, we are are desperate for you. As your people, we cry out to you. Lord, we, we praise you for everything that you're going to do through this situation. And now, Lord, as we, we come to the preaching time, I pray, God, that you would pour your Holy Spirit out upon us. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that, Lord, you would do a work in our lives. And, God, through the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God, we would learn the truth you have for us this morning. God, I pray that you would fill me with your Spirit. Lord, speak through me today. Lord, help me to say what needs to be said, what should be said, and help me not to say what I should not say. But, Lord, in everything, we'll give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
life around us has drastically changed. changing. Suddenly people who thought they were essential realize they're not essential. After all, uh, health is, is changing. Travel is changing. Even how we interact with people is changing. I, uh, this week I had a Zoom meeting with my family. Uh, so I got to speak to my brothers and sister and my mom over Zoom. And that was interesting having my 73-year-old mom get on Zoom. And it was, it was challenging, but we're interacting differently. But there is good news. In the middle of all this change that we're facing, the promises of God never change. And so for the next several weeks as we meet this way, I want to spend some time focusing on the never-changing promises of God. Uh, these promises that God gives us in His Word, they give us stability. They can keep us from being shaken in these changing times. But what is a promise from God? You know, in our culture, a promise really doesn't hold a whole lot of weight. doesn't have a lot of value or security. You know, maybe during this time your spouse has promised to get that honeydew list that's been building up for years done, and they haven't even started. 
Uh, maybe your kids promised that they would do school as good as they did when they went to school, and they have obviously not kept their word on that. Uh, all, th all kinds of people give us promises that they don't keep. Politicians promise things all the time, and they, they never keep them. So to us, a promise really isn't a powerful thing. But a promise from God is something completely different. A promise from God is a guarantee from God to his people based upon his unchanging relationship with them in Christ. What that means is these promises that God has given us in his word, they're not based on our performance. They're not based on us being something of ourselves or doing something from God. For God, it is rooted in our relationship with God. Because of Christ, we are adopted in the family of God, and we are his children, and these promises are secure. So this morning, as we, we begin looking at these promises, I want to look at Isaiah chapter number 41. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 41, verse number 10, and we're going to look at one promise from God this morning. So Isaiah chapter 41, verse number 10. The Bible says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now, out of that verse this morning, I want to answer three questions. That I First question, what is the Bible telling us not to do? What is God telling us not to do in this verse? In this promise, God is giving us a command, but it's not a command of something that we are supposed to do. Instead, he is telling us what we are not supposed to do. He says, do not fear and do not look around anxiously. Now, looking at that, uh, we can think that all fear is wrong because God says, don't be afraid. Don't have fear. So we think, man, all fear is wrong, but that's not what God is saying. Not all fear is bad. Fear, when it's used properly, can warn you from danger and, and keep you safe. Uh, if you're walking in the woods and you see a snake, the correct response is fear. And it should tell you that you need to turn around and go the other way because snakes are of the devil and they're wicked and evil. If you have a gun, you shoot them. But it, it gives a response that you were supposed to do something. And so based on that fear, you need to change your behavior based on what you see in front of you. That is a correct fear. But what the Bible is talking about is a different type of fear. God says here in this verse, it says, fear thou not. In the Hebrew, that those three words are one Hebrew word that literally means to feel anxious. So God is saying, don't feel anxious. It's, it's not an immediate response to a situation. It is an ongoing feeling of fear or anxiety. It means to be apprehensive about a situation or event. It is an anxious concern that is continuous. What God is describing is this feeling of anxiety that motivates us to ask the question, what if? What if I get sick? What if I lose my job? What if I lose my spouse? What if this situation happens? 
And you can be paralyzed by the what-ifs of life. But God is telling us, do not do that. Do not allow the what-ifs of life to control you. But he also says, be not dismayed. Now that phrase in the Hebrew means to look around anxiously. This is looking for the problem that you think may come. It literally means to gaze at something intently, to look continuously at something without distraction. It is the idea of fixating on something so much that it controls you. And so God is warning us not to be consumed with the what-ifs in life. These hypothetical situations that we, we fixate on to the point where we become obsessed with them and we begin to live in fear and anxiety. Now, the, the natural response to a crisis or a change is to fix our attention on the situation, and it literally can drive ourselves crazy with these what-if situations. The world's changing, so naturally we want to fixate on what if the worst happens? What if the virus spreads more? What if they can't find a cure? What if it lasts longer? What if the economy doesn't recover? And you may be doing that now. You may be looking at this situation. You may be watching more news than you've ever watched in your life. And you are in fear of the what ifs. And God says we're not to do that. And it's not a suggestion. It's a command. It isn't good advice. It is a command from God. God just looked at all of us and said, calm down. Now that never works when you talk to your wife and she's upset. That's not good advice because you're not God. But the Heavenly Father who controls everything, who's in charge of everything, who knows the outcome of everything, just looked at us and said, calm down. I'm in control, and it's okay. He's not saying that to make us feel better. It's a command. The Bible says that believers are not to allow our lives to be dominated by anxious concerns or the what-ifs that we focus on. Jesus said the exact same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he said, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment. In the, in the Greek, this phrase, take no thought, literally means do not be worried. Don't be anxious. Again, it's not a suggestion, it's a command. In the, the Greek word that's used here for take no thought is translated from the Hebrew word meaning fear in Isaiah chapter number 41. It means to be troubled or pulled in different directions. And this week, as I was looking up these words, every Bible dictionary I looked at that defines this word uses the word fear in the definition. So to be dominated by the anxious concerns over the what-ifs of life is to live outside the boundaries of God's will for our life. God doesn't give us boundaries to take away our joy. You know, too many people look at the boundaries of God as restrictive. You know, we look at the Old Testament and say, oh, well, God's got all these thou shalt nots. And of course, there's, you study your Bible, there's a lot more than 10. But everything he gave, told us not to do is for our benefit. I mean, look back at the Garden of Eden. 
There was one, thou shalt not. Do anything you want, Adam and Eve. Eat any fruit you want to. Ride any dinosaur you feel like. Have as much fun as you want. Just don't eat of that tree. And he didn't say because it's real good fruit and I'm favorite for myself. He said don't eat of that tree because the day you do, you're going to die. Death will enter the world. So his restrictions are never set up to punish us or to steal our joy. He gives us boundaries to bless us, to protect us, to help us enjoy life to the fullest. And living in fear of the what-ifs will rob you of the joy, and that's why God commands us not to do it. So we see what God is telling us not to do. Second thing, let's see, why is the Bible telling us not to do it? In Isaiah, God didn't just tell us not to be anxious. He told us why he gave us this command in the first place. God gives five reasons why we should not live in fear over the what-ifs of life. And every single reason starts with the exact same letter, the letter I. Do not fear. I am with you. Don't look around anxiously. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. The Bible says that we are not to be afraid, and then it tells us why we shouldn't fear. Why? Because of the I. Because the I am is in control. And here, the I is not your pastor. The I is not the president. It's not your doctor. It's not your family. It's not your spouse. The I is God himself. We don't have to fear because of him. Don't focus on the what ifs. Focus on the I am. Just before Isaiah wrote these words in Isaiah 41, he tells us something about God in Isaiah 40. It's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. It says, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not? Neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know why the, the Bible tells us not to be fixated on the problems, not to be afraid, not to be anxious and focus on our problems, because living dominated by anxious concern is inconsistent with the character of God. I want to I ask you a question. I want you to answer. Do you believe that God is a loving God? Okay. Do you believe that God is a God of wisdom? Do you believe that God is a powerful God. I hope every one of us believe that, but it goes, it goes deeper than that. God doesn't just love you. God is love. Everything he does, he does out of love. God isn't just wise. The Bible says that God is the source of all wisdom. God isn't just powerful. The Bible says that God is all-powerful. So here's what that means for us. Since God is love, he desires only the best for us. Since God is love, he desires only the best 
for us. Since God has all wisdom, He knows what is best for us. Since God is all-powerful, He can bring about what is best for us. See, because of these, these truths, anxiety and fear have no place in the life of a child of God. Max Licato wrote a book called Fear Not. And in that book, he says this. He says, your anxiety decreases as your understanding of your father increases. The more you learn about God, the more you draw closer to God, the more your anxiety goes away. Worry and fear and anxiety, they are inconsistent with the character of God. So the more you know him, the less you fear. But here's the third question I want to answer. What does the Bible tell us to do? You know, telling us what not to do, telling us why we shouldn't do it is fine, but what are we supposed to do? God tells us that we are to not keep our eyes focused on the things that cause anxiety and fear. Instead, he tells us two things in this verse that we should focus on when our circumstances change, when things in life become unsettling. What's the first thing we should focus on? Number one, God's presence. Look again at verse number 10. It says, fear not, for I am with thee. He tells us, don't fear, because God's with us. That's a powerful statement about the presence of God in our life. And oftentimes we can read that and we can think, well, God's just saying, don't be afraid because I'm with all of you. I'm, I'm all omnipresent anyway, so I'm, I'm everywhere. And that is true, God is everywhere at the same time, but that's not what Isaiah is saying. In this verse, every time you see the word you used, our translation for you, which is thee or thy, every time it's used, it's in the singular form. That means God's saying, don't be afraid, I'm with you, April. I'm with you, Cassidy. I'm with you, Joel. Every time God says, I'm, he says, I am with you personally. David, Kathy, Carly, John, okay. <laughs> He's with all of us. And those watching, God is saying, I am with you. God is saying, don't be afraid because God has given you his undivided attention. God is focused on you. All that is God, all that God is, is with you. You are not alone. The New Testament says the same thing in Hebrews. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. For he saith, I will never leave thee again, in the singular, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. In these changing times, one unchanging truth we can rely on is the constant presence of God in our lives. But here's another thing that Isaiah says we should focus on. Not only focus on his presence, focus on his promises. God's presence is one of his promises. But there are thousands of promises in the Word of God that He has given to His children. And three of them are right here. Let's look at them again. 
Fear not, for I am with thee. For I am thy God. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. And here's the promises. I will strengthen you. God says he will strengthen you. That means he will supply what is lacking in your life. God says whatever you're in need of, I'll take care of it. I'll provide it for you. He says, I will strengthen you, yea, I will help thee. Help you, it means he will give assistance in times of hardship. And let's be honest, we're all in a time of hardship. People's hours are getting cut. People are uncertain about what's going to happen in their lives. And so God says, I will assist you in those times. And what better assistance can you have than from God the Father? But God says, I will assist you. Then he says, I will uphold you. That means that what this gives a picture of is God grabbing you when you're falling. So you're walking along, you start to fall, and God reaches out and grabs you before you can fall. God has given us incredible promises so that we can look at them and say, God, my, my times are changing, my, my situation is changing, but you're not. So I will not fear and I will not be anxious. You know, these times, they can cause a lot of anxiety and worry. But God gives us some powerful truths in these times. He says, don't worry, because I'm with you. Calm down, because I am here to help you, to strengthen you, to protect and provide for you. I am here. So how do we feel that these promises are still being kept in our lives? Because we can go through these, these times, we can see these promises, and we can think, man, those are great promises, but I don't feel them being kept in my life. So how do we know that they're being fulfilled? Draw nigh to God. God says that if we draw close to Him, He'll draw close to us. He says, you, you seek me, and you'll find me. During these difficult times, don't run from God, run to God. But maybe you're listening and you're here and you're not a child of God and you're anxious and you're worried and truth be told, you should be. But you don't have to be. The Bible tells us that every single one of us have been born a sinner, condemned to hell, destined to hell, with no way to stop it on our own. We can't be good enough for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. For all, we all fall short of God's glory. There's nothing we can do to satisfy the righteousness of God. And God knew that. And he loved us so much, and he wanted fellowship with us so much that he took on flesh. He was born in the form of Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life doing what we could never do. Perfectly fulfilling the law of God and living a sinless life. And then when he reached 33 years of age, he allowed himself to be crucified on our behalf. He hung on a cross and he died for our sins. My sin and your sin were placed on him and he took the full wrath of God for what we should have done. He was buried and three days later he rose again to be reconciled to God the Father and to give us redemption with God. And that's available to everyone this evening, this morning. Anyone at any time can accept Christ as your Savior. If you're not a child of God today, I promise you, when I ask you, you can be one. If you want to begin a relationship with God, you can start it right now.
You can pray and ask God to forgive your sins and become your Savior. And when you do, He lives in you and His promises are for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would take your word this morning and speak into the lives of your people. I pray, Lord, that we would be encouraged in the unshakable promises that we find in your word. Lord, I pray that for that person who is watching, who, who isn't saved, Lord, I pray that you would convict them of their need for you. Lord, draw them near to you. Lord, for your children, God, I, I pray that you would remind us that in the changing times, don't focus on the problems, don't focus on the circumstances, but focus on the presence of God. Focus on your promises that you have given to us so that when the world around us is changing, we can find stability and certainty in the presence and the promise of God. In Jesus' name we pray.